Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Big Facts No Cap, the only podcast that's number one with people who understand the difference between equity and equality, and people who understand that the run in the World Series by the Chicago Cubs in 86 was an anomaly. I'm Adrian, as always, here with Paul. Let's get Big Fact and let's get No Capping. Okay. Are we keeping that? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> All right. Do we give away when we're recording this by saying it was President's Day? Oh, yeah. But th- do you think then people will expect us to do like presidents as a theme? Oh, maybe. And then I'm going to show my lack of knowledge when I'm like barely know any of the presidents. I mean, we've talked about this before, but goddamn, dude, our team gets fucked over by the president section of every trivia that we go to do. Yeah, um, it is very boring. Yeah, it's that and vice presidents, too. And it's like, come on, like, if I'm not going to know anything about presidents, why are you asking questions about vice presidents? Yeah, you're like, Agnew? Even more boring. First lady trivia. Ooh, first ladies. Let's give it up for the ladies. Might as well call it prima donna trivia, you know? <laughs> You're listening to Paul and Adrian in the morning. <laughs> Shock Jock Radio. Uh, Paul, let's rank the first ladies hottest to least hot. All right. Number one, that dime that was Mrs. Garfield. Ooh, ho, 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 ho. I'd try her lasagna, if you know what I mean, Paul. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm sure I'd hate Mondays with her, if you know what I mean, Paul. What <laughs> to get that? That sounds like she's not that. <laughs> no cap. Stranger Things. It was like, how would I? It was like a real. Flash in the pan is that is that a saying? That's I mean, they got like four seasons, but yeah, I think only the first one had like a only the know, first one really had any sort of like uh, mimetic quality, like cultural uh, importance. Mm-hmm. For a minute there, it was like the biggest thing in the world. It was like you better like Stranger Things or else, or else. Yeah, I remember being a contrarian about that too. I was like, I get it, the kids are good actors. It feels like a Spielberg movie. I don't think it's that good. It is crazy that that I think had like a noticeable impact on the. Uh, popularity of dungeons and dragons oh really people really like the aesthetic of it from the show because people really like the aesthetic from the show there was the time we were talking about the millie bobby brown drake thing yeah Uh, yeah 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 yeah. and phil's thing was like everyone doesn't like drake because he calls it stranger tings that's definitely a a a joke i've seen photoshopped online where it's like if drake (laughs) was watching the show it'd be stranger things hey that was a little bit more creativity next time phil yeah Stop stealing memes and making Adrian think that you came up with them. Yeah, that's there was manipulation. That time- <laughs> yeah, stop gaslighting and manipulating Adrian. There was that time where Phil was like, I could have cheeseburger. And Adrian was like, what? Why is he dressed like a cat right now? That's so funny. <laughs> that time Phil was like, I'm a weird Nigerian Sonic. And you were like, that is so funny, man. I thought it was Uganda. Uganda Sonic. Uganda Knuckles. <laughs> Uganda Knuckles. <laughs> you got like 70% of that wrong. <laughs> But it was an admiral attempt. What a unique meme. What a unique meme. You were that time Phil was like Dat Boy and he was a frog on a unicycle. And you're like, damn, that is hilarious. My <laughs> that man. one passed me by. That one unicycled by me. <laughs> <laughs> you you haven't seen Dat Boy? I have, but I, I don't I don't really understand it at all, to be honest. To be honest with you, I don't I think it was uh, one of those it's a real absurdist one. Yeah, it's an mm. absurdist one. Yeah. 
By the time Phil was like, I can protect, but I can also attack. He come back. Who do you think was or will be the first person to get a PhD in, in, in memetic uh, and memology? That has to be a thing, right? Like a sociologist who's gotten yeah. like a specialization that he had to convince his college to let yeah. him like do. Like he had probably had to pitch it as like a subdiscipline of sociology. Yeah. I mean, I remember the time when I was on Google. Or maybe a comms major. These maybe. are comms or sociology, right? Yeah, that one of those right. Hey, let's get into the theme of this episode because we want to put this early on because we don't want the Spotify exec who's going to be listening to mm. this to miss mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. pitch. Mm-hmm. All right. Recently, Spotify has announced that they're investing $100 million in in podcasts created by, by minority podcasters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As part of their diversity and inclusion initiative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that mean that people who are generally minorities in society making podcasts or people that are minorities in the podcast sphere? I don't know. They didn't really specify. This was more something the CEO said kind of on a whim, it seems like. So I'm sure they're figuring out what these programs mean, whether they're, you know, they might, it might be like money going to colleges. It might be money going towards podcasting spaces, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it might be grants towards like, re- you know, I don't know how this money is going to get mm-hmm, spent, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think they do either. So I mm-hmm. think uh, I think things are still developing. Still up in the air. And I think we as two minority podcasters, mm-hmm. a Guatemalan and a Lebanese, mm-hmm. an Arab and a Hispanic, mm-hmm. a Latino, Latino, I always forget which one you like to be called. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, I preferred just Guatemalan American, Guatemalan American. Yeah. Um, an Arab and a Guatemalan American, mm-hmm. and a Guat for short. Is yeah. that offensive? A Guat? Almost certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that gaggle of Guats over Ooh, there. That's definitely offensive. You can't refer to multiple people as that. Well, this is. Can you check my privilege right there? Because this isn't good first footing for us to pitch ourselves. No, no. That's what. That's why. That's that's our twist on it. You know, is like, yeah, we're minorities, but we're not like politically correct about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Spotify wants to hear. No, I think they want us to be like, don't touch my hair, like that like, oh, sort shit. of energy, okay. probably to get the money. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We do not like microaggressions around here. Yeah, don't don't try to touch my hair because I'm bald. That would be odd. <laughs> And don't, when you're handling, when you're a weird religious dude at a college campus handing out Bibles to everyone, and you see a middle school class come on a tour, and you hand them all out Bibles, and you say hello to all of them, and then you see me and say, hola. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> that's hilarious. That yeah. guy's kind of cool. <laughs> that's a real story, and I think it's one of many times that that's happened to me. <laughs> somebody says hola to you? Yeah, they make sure to switch the language of whatever they're saying. Mm, hola, papi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, so I'm, I mean, I think how they're going to distribute this money is still, um, they're still deciding on it. And mm-hmm. I, I want to pitch us as two minority podcasters trying to make our way up in the game. Mm-hmm. As help us out, Spotify. You know, we've been doing this for a while. I think we're pretty good at it. I think people we demonstrated proficiency at the basic level. At the basic level, people like they like to hear what we have to say. I think people are interested in our perspectives, our voices as an Arab mm-hmm. and uh, Latino. Honestly, why not? Like, you can give it to another show called, like... Secret like, Minorities. Secret <laughs> About two white people who are Latino, so... Uh, secret Minorities. Or another show about, like, yeah, microaggressions, or about code switching, or mm-hmm. about these weird little mini-narratives of persecution. Me and Adrian have those. But, also, we bring a little fun twist to it. <laughs> we have a good time. Mm-hmm. 
I can tell you about, look, Spotify, if you want me to get really emotional to tell you about the time I escaped from a war or the time my high school teacher tried to suspend me for being Arab, I have those stories. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's what the people want to hear. I think they want to hear us live in our best life. This show is about empowering us to another level, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. about disempowering us by making us victims in our own narrative. I feel like we're going back to the thing I said originally. You said we're not trying to do. (laughs) Wait, what are we not trying to do? We're not trying to be... (laughs) People of color have been victims for too long. (laughs) Uh, We have those stories and we'll tell those stories, but we might have a little bit of fun along the way. We have a little bit of fun. We might have a little bit of fun along the way. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Also... Maybe we'll even do, like, a little bit of, like, Adrian will, like, talk about how his culture, you know, like, they like uh, empanadas or something. And yeah. in my culture, we like, uh, what do Arabs eat? We like, uh, like, pita? Uh, yeah. Zata? Yeah. Lahamajin? You see? I can even bring out, I can even bring out that Arabic. I can pronounce things correctly, Spotify. Mm. How am I not going to get a chunk of that hundred million? Build us a beautiful studio Put some marketing money behind us, Spotify. Mm-hmm. We're to the moon, and you're not going to be in trouble anymore for that Joe Rogan stuff. Yes. People are going to love you. And, you know, if this means that we need to, like, change our political beliefs to be a little bit more center. Yeah. I kind of always felt like that's more what's correct anyways. Yeah. I've always thought I was being too radical. Yeah. Me and Adrian, we'll drop that leftist bullshit in yeah. a second if we get a chunk of that hundred hey, mil. Mayor Pete. I like what you're doing. Yeah, Mayor Pete, you're a you're a rad dude. Keep you're a up. rad dude with a tude, and I like it. <laughs> Mayor Pete's a rad dude with a tude. <laughs> That's what I've always said about him. <laughs> Bernie Sanders, P-U. P-U. Stinky. Stinky. We don't like him. We're young POC, yeah. so we don't like old men. But you know, this show's not political. You know, we talk about everything. We talk about my love of the game of soccer. Yeah. Uh, my love of hats and pinatas. Uh, Wait, it's called No Cap, but you don't talk about hats. Oh, that's true. Well, it's not a cap. In in honor of us becoming a more invited to the barbecue style show, mm-hmm. Adrian, you want to give us a roundup of your trip to Guatemala to see family? Yes. And pronounce everything with as much Latino lean as possible to Absolutely. help sell us to Spotify. Yeah, yeah. You know, we traveled everywhere. You know, we went to Jutiapa. We went to Antigua. We went to Solala Panajel. Uh, oh, we went to the city. You know what it is? We went to Flores. We went to Tikal. Ooh, saw the ruins. I saw my past, present, and future went on this Guatemala. It was a powerful thing. Yeah. Um, but actually, how was the trip? I, you're wearing a really <laughs> awesome looking uh, Antigua Brewing Company shirt right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um, that was from Antigua, which is by far the most touristy part of uh, Guatemala. But awesome, great weather. It's surrounded by volcanoes, which is super cool. It's kind of like Charleston. It's got like the cobblestone streets and like the super colorful houses. So definitely one of the highlights of the trip. Antigua is one of those places where like it's so quintessentially like beautiful Guatemala that like anywhere you go, if there's someone on the street selling art, no matter where you are in Guatemala, they're going to be selling art of Antigua because like that's what people want to see. Yeah. Um, so that place was great. Uh, Penajachal, if I were to go back to Guatemala, either to visit or to live, I'd probably go there. It's on Lake Atitlan. Um and uh, that's, I already told you this, right? About the, uh, you discussed before about your disgust with people's pronunciation sometimes, but man, eating breakfast next to a white couple where the girl was like, yeah, it's really cool being on Lake Adelan. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I think I did it for when all white people say inshallah, yeah, yeah, like yeah. enchilada. Enchilada. Um, see, this is that NPR quality content you guys like. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, no. ooh, can you talk? Uh, please don't call her grandma. I'm going to need to hear about your abuelita. 
<laughs> Dude, I was thinking about that when I was uh, making my big Facebook post about it, and I was like putting captions on certain pictures of like, "Am I gonna call her Grandma or gonna call her Abuelita? Which one do I want to do?" Because I do, I did grow up calling her Abuelita, but if I would ask my mom a question while we were there, I'd be like, "Does Grandma need more space or whatever?" Like that's how I would ask a, like a common question. I wouldn't be like, "Does Abuelita need more space?" Ay 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 ay. So I thought about that for a while, but I was like, I don't know. I think the most authentic thing I could do is just do whatever comes to my gut. And uh, yeah, and it was the perfect mix of like seeing family and doing touristy stuff. I learned a lot, saw a lot. Didn't have a single bad meal in Guatemala. I had two bland meals in Guatemala, and that was the worst that it got. And I think it's kind of the opposite of the U.S., where the two places that weren't good had like very big murals and stuff with like Bible verses on it. So in the same way, or in the opposite way of like in the U.S., like Cookout and In-N-Out and Chick-fil-A, you see that Bible verse on the cup, and you're like, okay, these people are bringing the heat. Yeah, it's yeah, the opposite yeah. in Guatemala. <laughs> it's the opposite. Yeah. The religious people don't have good cooking. Yeah, yeah. I think they have more of that like classic Catholic, like it's sinful to have tasty things in your life. Uh, let's see, other general notions that we can talk about that I think we've talked about some connections between just general places outside of the U.S. Um, a little bit like Cuba. You can kind of just drink wherever. You can drink in the back of the car if you want to. Did that a couple times. That was fun. Uh, Seatbelts are kind of a joke <laughs> everywhere in Guatemala. Just uh, no one uses them. The first time that we drove with my cousin who drove us around everywhere, uh, he asked us to put our seatbelts on and then never again. It was like kind of just for show. He was like, all right, guys, let's put on our seatbelts. <laughs> never again. Yeah, I think I had some other general notions. But yeah, it's just it's a cool place. I like it. It's um, very fun, very welcoming. And the weather was really nice. I guess we weren't like super into summer or anything. But yeah, like even in the places that were like known for being a little bit hotter, still pretty bearable this time of year. So all in all pretty dope awesome thank you for that trip roundup adrian yeah as a foreign kid in america it just like really moves me to see yeah to see uh my, my fellow my fellow poc living their best life just reconnecting with the motherland reconnecting with the motherland do, do you want to trade stories again about us being made fun of for our lunchbox meals in uh, <laughs> elementary school yeah, i yeah, feel yeah. like that'll really sell well yeah, yeah. to spotify <laughs> Oh, one of the other weird things about it i guess this is more they wouldn't like this because it really plays into the stereotypes but no matter how surface level undeveloped uh, uh, any like particular village or pueblo you went to was, they always had a ridiculously nice soccer stadium for kids to play in. <laughs> like every single one of them was like better than ninety nine percent of soccer fields that I've seen in the U S. Do you think that's part of though? Do you think that's part of like everybody who like collects money anytime there's a natural disaster to send over? <laughs> Do you think they have those? Because every time it's like, you know what? There was a big there was a big flood in Guatemala. Let's uh, as a church, I'll collect money and send it over to build a soccer stadium for the kids or something. I think so, man. Like it has to be it because they're all so nice. They're all like caged and like really nice kind of like indoor not indoor but like that kind of like uh turf soccer field yeah and that was actually one of my regrets is i never got a chance to play soccer while i was there uh the one time we saw like kids playing in a local village was like uh, so the airbnb game in guatemala is pretty spectacular you can get really cool places for really cheap but one of the bad things about it is that they don't often give you the exact address and they don't give you very good directions and places are very hard to find. So mm. that was like the one night that was basically ruined because our Airbnb host could not give us good directions on how to get to our place. Got you. And uh, you saw some local kids playing soccer and you wanted to like jump in and get to know them. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've told this story to you before, but one of the most embarrassing things that's ever happened to me is on my first trip to Guatemala when I was a little kid. Uh, I think it was my cousin Cheto or maybe someone else who, while we were just like hanging around uh, that day, I don't remember how long we were in Guatemala during the first trip when I was a kid, but we definitely stayed in my mom's grandma's village for a lot longer. So it was mm -hmm. a lot of like days where we kind of just had to go around and see what was going on. 
So I went to go play soccer with the local kids and my cousin went to go like introduce me to them and ask me if I could play, ask them if I could play with them. And so at one point during the game, there's this corner kick and I'm at the back post and I raise my hand to ask for the ball. And in a sea of kids playing this game, the kid actually sends the ball perfectly for me. Um, but I was not comfortable heading the ball at that age. And so I just put my hands in front of my face thinking that it wasn't actually going to come to me. It hit my hands and went into the goal. And some people thought I'd made it in. And half the people would be like, no, no, no. He didn't have the ball. And he used his hands like a little bitch. <laughs> and I was so fucking embarrassed. My my experience from childhood in Lebanon is actually kind of the opposite of what you you were saying about Guatemala, where it really was a, like a group of kids on like on a street mm. playing with like a raggedy old ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would go and we would play. Uh, I was obviously very bad, mm -hmm. um, both because I am personally unathletic. And but you had I... that U.S. nutrition, so you're just knocking them around. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember one of the ladies who lived above the street. This is such a funny third world thing that would happen. She would get upset that we were playing in front of her house, being loud, uh, I guess. Yeah. And she would get boiling water, boil it in a bucket, and she would pour it onto, well, never directly onto us. But I think the threat was like, you, it might hit your feet or something, like yeah. if you don't run. It might hit your little petitas. Um, so that was her way of... Uh, getting us to disperse i will make it clear that since this was like i don't know i guess 20 years ago at this point that game that i'm talking about definitely happened on a big dusty field where the goal was like three metal posts or whatever yeah, yeah. That, that was, was nice. definitely in that yeah um i don't know how uh recent this renovation is of no matter what the town looks like there's always a fucking nice soccer field in it Honestly, the big thing there is that, like, for the guys and the gals, like, the fashion game ain't a game on point. Honestly, cutest people that I, th I thought were, like, oh, some of the girls wearing, like, in, like, the indigenous, like, floral, like, uh, woven stuff. Like, the actual, like, city, like, things that people wear for fashion there. Pretty, oh, it's not a South thing. Korea. It's not like they've usurped us. No. The fashion game. No, the fashion game is pretty Latino. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Sad times. Yeah. Um, I'd say in Lebanon, there's some pretty hip looking people, but yeah, I guess it's not, like, the average person. Yeah. Not a lot of gold chains and some uh, silk shirts. <laughs> They're not Persian. <laughs> I don't like you <laughs> switching up these sorry, very sorry. Was, cultures. That's true. That's true. That's my bad. That's my being. You know what? We're going to learn. I'm learning. I'm growing. <laughs> that's what we like to hear here on this. Uh, uh, we're renaming it. It's no longer Big Facts, No Cap. It's the Foreign Born Boys. As like a tribute to with our... With Foreign Born Boys. Um as a tribute to our southern roots it's called c and shukran ma'am shukran is so much more <laughs> uh what do you call it like not a very common word that english people know in arabic yeah. but we're using c the most common I mean, what, what, the what, one you learn as like a joke as a toddler what arabic word would you want to use then no no i'm saying we should we should go deeper we should get a deeper oh, cut from spanish okay okay Oh, I don't know. Uh, we could use uh, Puchica, which is a specifically Guatemalan word. Which means? Uh, it is a derivative of the word for bitch that makes it like safe for work. So it's what everyone says. It's like basically the equivalent of oh my gosh in, in a way. So uh, oh my gosh and thank you? Well, it would mean Man. like a nice way of saying bitch. <laughs> or like that's a, like that, that irritates me. <laughs> thank you, you bitch. <laughs> Uh, shukran, la gran puchica, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. Yeah, you're right. We do need to throw that. We're just two southern boys. Two southern boys. Two southern gentlemen. Honestly, we got a lot going for us. I know. We haven't, I mean, that's part of, that's part of that intersectionality, bro. Oh, um, how do we, how do we let Spotify know that you're bisexual? And disabled. 
and disabled. I got a disability. I don't want to call myself disabled. Well, yeah, fair enough. I also have uh, a speech impediment and I'm overcoming it on an audio only format. What sort Damn. of bravery is that? Spotify, respect our game. Mm. That's a lot of boxes checked. That's a lot of boxes checked. Now, I understand if there is a podcast hosted by a mute black woman who's in a wheelchair, we should get a little bit less money than her. Yes. But there's not a lot of other podcasts we should get less money than. <laughs> not a lot of other ones. Not a lot of other ones. I'm just saying, if you're giving out $100 million, what there's maybe 100 shows with, with as much diversity as mm-hmm. this one, we mm-hmm. should get at least a million. That's just good math. That's quick maths. <laughs> How many? How many? How many podcasters in America check all the boxes we check? Mm. Not a lot. Not a lot. All right, Paul. You want to get into these articles? Yeah, let's get into the articles. So, just to state clearly what the uh, theme is, it's diversity and inclusion. inclusion. Get that bag. Yeah, I, I didn't know we were going to let Spotify know <laughs> that, that we were so specifically well, trying mean, to get that bag from them. But that is what my article is about. So we okay. need to bring that in as part of the theme. I mean, they're not going to listen to the second article. I assume they're just going to listen to this intro, sign off on the money. Spotify, just think it through. That's all. Actually, don't think it through. Give us some money or uh, mm-hmm. or you're still canceled for keeping Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. All right. So my article, Adrian. Adrian. Uh-huh. Adrian, my friend. My Latin American friend. Is from a diversity inclusion section of Lattice.com. Mm-hmm called Dear Boss. The question answerer is Benish Shaw. Mm. Dear Boss, I manage a diverse team that includes two black employees. This one's Pretty diverse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I manage a very diverse team of 20 white people and two black employees. This month has been a tough one in the light of the protests over George Floyd's death. But my black employees are clearly struggling hardest. While I'd like to be supportive of these employees and share that I'm also outraged as a white man, as a white man, Mm. I feel like I'm the last person they would want to talk about what they're going through, so I've mostly stayed quiet. What's the best way for me to approach my people about this and show them support? Signed. Seeking to understand in Austin. I I do think it is important to note that your boss should be the person to talk to you about racial issues. That is a... That is a must. I would say if you're a manager or boss, and you're not, you. and you're not talking to your employees about you're the problem, political issues, you're the problem. Can we also make the point that this takes place in Austin, so this could be Joe Rogan? <laughs> he probably does have two black employees. <laughs> um, I have two black employees, and one that I suspect is something mixed. <laughs> No, people have told me before that they can't tell when I'm being sarcastic, so I want to make it clear. Why would you need to fucking talk to your employees about race? Oh, man, they love doing that, though. They don't want to talk to you about anything other than getting their work done, because Mm -hmm. nobody wants to talk to their boss about... Nobody wants... In fact, I don't even really want to talk to you about getting my work done. Mm -hmm. I would rather get my work done and have as little interaction with you as possible. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be friends with their manager. Nobody needs their manager to support them through political issues you're not smarter but, than them they don't need your support what the I, I think that's clearly besides the point i think the obvious if we're gonna get straight into the seriousness of it is it's more for him than for his co-workers or for his underlings yeah right? he wants to feel good about himself yeah it's 100 percent sure he wants to signal that he's like a good white person yeah it's ridiculous yeah don't talk to them at all about it if they well i mean you 
make it subtle like do a wakanda like you know cross x thing on or whatever <laughs> do that one of the, do one of those to them or whatever but yeah, yeah 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 give them a black power fist at lunch but can you stop buying that red velvet cake for birthdays and just go straight to chocolate you racist yeah. wakanda forever yeah buy them a black and white cookie and leave it on their desk Ooh. <laughs> that's a good idea so let's assume this is a, a very well-intentioned good-meaning michael scott type boss what would your actual advice be to him if he came to you and was like yeah, Paul. it's that you're being kind of stupid. They don't need to hear from you about this. If they mm. specifically ask you, what as a company are we doing? Oh, yeah. Then you need to have an answer to that. Then you need to have an answer, which includes what are you doing? Actually, figure out what you're doing to actually mm-hmm. hire more black people and do that on your own. And then if they ask you about those initiatives or if you start needing people to help you develop those initiatives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To, because the only thing a boss should be talking to his employees about is technical things. You don't need to mm-hmm. be you you don't need to be leading them through conversations about race. Why do you think that's your job? Why do you think they would want you to do that? What why does he feel like he's an authority on this in a way that he needs to be leading them through any sort of conversation about race? He's probably read some stupid leadership books about like what it means to be a leader in the workplace and that's that's the problem. Yeah. He clearly has it. It's like yeah. nobody cares about your political takes. I think it's about action. You should do that thing that Steven Crowder did where you have someone kneel on your neck and uh show how you could totally survive it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should do what uh you should do what Nancy Pelosi did and put on a, your kufi <laughs> and, and go kneel oh, God. in solidarity. It's about action. It's about action. And those are actions. Those are actions. Don't start any programs to like help hire more minority employees. Just mm-hmm. uh, do very awkward conversations with them about race where they hate themselves and feel really awkward. Like they can't tell you to shut the fuck up because you're their boss and they mm-hmm. can't really disagree with you because you're their boss. And that's true. You the can't... power <laughs> dynamic is incredibly uncomfortable and off-putting for everybody. And then you walk away feeling proud of yourself. Yeah, yeah. They can't say anything whenever you start the book club and you make sure to dominate the conversation talking about your experiences of people thinking that you were racist when you're actually a really cool dude <laughs> and how much that's affected you and how yeah, hard yeah. that is for you. <laughs> when you when, when the first book in the book club is that... uh. What's her name? D'Angelo Robin book. Robin D'Angelo. That Robin D'Angelo book. White Fragility. White Fragility. They're like, we're black. How is this important to us? And you're like, no, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm putting in my time to figure you guys out. You got to put your time in to figure me out. <laughs> that's why we're That's why we're reading Catcher in the Rye as our first Black History Month book. <laughs> Boss, we're actually pretty swamped in work. We can't do a book club. And you're like, you better fucking do read a fucking book and show up after hours for the book club and know you're not getting paid for it. <laughs> but you bring free black and white cookies. <laughs> <laughs> but we are serving free black and white cookies and coffee with a creamer. <laughs> I'm actually dairy free. <laughs> you have to have it with the creamer. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Look at the beautiful color it makes when you mix them two together. <laughs> <Yeah>, but- <laughs> I'm not racist. I find I find Blasian girls really hot. <laughs> See, especially Cajun. <laughs> this guy sucks, right? Uh, yeah, this guy's the worst. I'm sure people will probably think it could be interpreted as well-meaning, but I don't think so. Yeah, no, we do have a lot of people lot who listen to this show and are 100 percent going to be like, "I actually really like." I would have written that question. Oh yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. Hundo P. <laughs> um, talking about this sort of attitude, uh, one of my best stories from college, I don't think I've ever told that on pod before. Uh, I was at a party, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was me, a black friend of ours, and my roommate's white girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Three of us standing around talking. Three people talking. I can picture it. 
she says to him, we are all relatively drunk, so maybe she wouldn't have said something so awkward sober. She says to him, what can I as a white person do mm. to confront racism? Which is like, motherfucker, we're at a party. What a weird... <laughs> is this the conversation you want to be having with somebody right now? Just because he's black, you're going to like put this on him? Mm. And he's like, my life is good. You don't need to help me. You don't need to confront your racism Ooh. with me. And, which... I'm not commenting on whether that makes sense or not politically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he he says that. Like I was like, interesting thing to say. I wouldn't I wouldn't give a white person that sort of pass, but yeah. sure. Um, uh, if it gets you out of the room. <laughs> if it gets you out of the room. But then his next thing was I just got a new I forget what sort of car it was, but it was mm-hmm. some sort of It nice wasn't car. a Tesla though. Yeah, it wasn't a Tesla. It was just like I got a new Honda Civic. T one hundred. I'm gonna say I think that's a brand of uh, Terminator. I was gonna say, is that not like a Ford, like the original car? T eight hundred. Whatever. He he's bragging about some car he just bought. He's he's stunting on us. He's mm-hmm. telling us about mm-hmm. the expensive car he just bought. Like I don't need your help. I'm I'm living my the, my best life. I just got this car, mm. and we're all drunk. And he's like, y'all want to ride? I was like, no, sir, I do not want to ride. <laughs> and I think because the conversation was about race, she felt the need to say yes for oh some reason. <laughs> so they do. They get in the car and he drives around <laughs> drunk. And then they, I was like so scared that they just weren't going to show back up. But like 10 minutes later, they showed back up. Mm. And I was like, all right, cool. And she was like, yeah, I don't got to confront racism anymore. That was dope. That was dope. I don't have to confront racism. That car is so nice. He, black people are doing well in this country. They have nice cars. I made sure to count, and there's six cup holders in there, dude. He's doing fine. <laughs> He's doing fine. I mean, it's not that real leather, but like, I'm vegetarian anyway. I was yeah. happy it was leather. There's literally no way for you to, as a white person, to talk to a black dude and say, how can I help you as without sounding awkward and weird? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a very, like american individualistic perspective to have on that issue anyways i guess i will say the one time that was awkward was uh my roommate was confronting the type of interactions that people of color have with the police and i was just in the kitchen like getting a water or something and she was talking about it and she asked me about my experiences with the police like clearly hoping i had a story to like for her to be like man now i'm learning even more (laughs) and i I was just like i mean yeah i mean i have a couple stories where they're not that bad to be honest i I have been pretty successful at avoiding the police and she was she almost seemed bummed like she was like damn i really wanted another good story You want? She wanted another story where you were Carlton and you realized you got pulled over yeah, just because you yeah. were black. I mean, I think like l- literally, it's not that big a deal. The best, not the best story. I guess the best story from the perspective of her like wanting a good story or whatever was when I got stopped for riding my bike in the street without streetlights because I was on my way back from an exam, and a police car stopped me over, uh, and he was just like getting my information or whatever. And so it's just me on a bike with my book bag getting stopped by a cop. And at some point during interaction, a second cop car pulls up and asks if he needs help. Uh, and the cop's like, no, I'm okay. <laughs> and then they drive by. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who can't see Adrian, uh, just imagine a Guatemalan person. Not yeah, that yeah. tall. <laughs> Very unassuming. <laughs> Very unassuming. I like the idea. Very that. cuddly. <laughs> Very cuddly. That is how I would describe Adrian. Yeah. He's like if uh, if Paddington came into real life. That's like the biggest compliment I've ever been given. Yeah. You're as cuddly as Paddington. Mm-hmm. A Peruvian snuggle bear. All right, you want to hear the answer to this? Yeah, let's get it. The fear of saying the wrong thing often means saying nothing at all. Though I imagine you are well-intentioned, that lack of acknowledgement creates a palpable tension, one formed by your own guilt and the anger, pain, disappointment of the colleagues looking to you for leadership. Oh my god. The answer is that they are looking to their boss for leadership on politics. That's pretty cool. This is deranged. Jesus Christ. No, they're not. 
This is why the question shouldn't be answered by another boss, because they think people care about their boss's mm-hmm. leadership. Ugh, I don't even want... Uh. I think... I know you don't know the answer to this question, but what's the deal with the Lattice? What are they? Is there, like, a quick look up on what their whole steel is, shtick is? Uh, can I look it up after I finish reading the answer? Yeah. I'll allow it. By keeping yourself out of a conversation... Well, you are my boss, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> but watch yourself, Paul. <laughs> you are the boss of this podcast. Of <laughs> the darkest-skinned one among us. <laughs> By keeping yourself out of a conversation that makes you feel uncomfortable and uncertain, you're reinforcing a damaging behavior BIPOC employees continuously face at work. Silence. What many Black employees need right now is to feel safe speaking about racial inequities at work without risk of losing their job, believe that change is possible and imminent. They need colleagues to create safe spaces where they can choose to discuss the micro and macro aggressions they continue to face in the workspace. And trust me, no matter how progressive your company is, those examples exist. Wait, do you think this is flow from progressive writing in? (laughs) (laughs) And there's a little nod to that. (laughs) By God, Adrian, I think you got it. They just think of me as some zany white lady who (laughs) walks around the company. Most importantly, what they don't need is Colleagues asking to be educated about race in America, honestly start with Google, white or non-black POC crying on their shoulders about how they aren't racist, and the request for absolution or all the wrong you have done without knowing it. Mm. Understanding what your employees may need and what they don't helps frame the conversation to make it more about them, less about you. It puts you in a mindset of listening, absorbing, and supporting rather than expressing and seeking support. Here's an example that might guide you. Oh, I love it when advice columns do examples. Okay. It's always the fakest conversations. Let's see. Do you want to play colleague two? Yeah. Okay, I'm colleague one, you're colleague two. This week was so hard with the rioting and looting. I'm glad black people are demanding reform, and I'm so upset angry about this. I stand with you. This week showed how far we still have to go as a country. I'm outraged that I thought we were better. We clearly are not. I want you to know my door is open if you want to talk or if you need someone to listen about things going on here. I'm available. A colleague one expressed rage, but focused the conversation on their own feelings, failing to understand that the current movement is about black lives, feelings, and experiences. This colleague's statement is not actionable. It is not an invitation to listen, and it ends the conversation before it can begin. Colleague two acknowledged that there are serious issues that require work. Oh, so they're both the boss. Colleague one and colleague two are two examples of the type of boss you can be. It wasn't Mm. a conversation. Okay. Colleague two acknowledged that there are serious issues that require work, expressed their own stand on the issue, and then created space for their black employees to speak if they choose to. Both conversation starters are well-intentioned, but colleague one is self-focused, while colleague two shows empathy and care for those primarily affected. Be like colleague two. There is space right now for everyone to be a part of creating change. In the workplace, white men and women have an opportunity to step in as allies as they become more informed about the systematic issues being faced by BIPOC on a daily basis. Black people specifically do not have truly safe environments to discuss racism that they are experiencing at work. They even rarely have workplace champions that stand up for them, help them get career-building opportunities, and speak up when they face micro and macro aggressions. Which brings us to a critical choice being offered to white allies in the workplace as they approach these conversations. Do you want to create a safe space to listen, or do you also want to be a champion that actively supports their growth in the workplace? Both are needed, and both are valid. Adrian, you're valid, okay? You're super heckin' valid, Paul. You're so fucking valid. You have an opportunity to choose which role you want to play. In either role, you can support your black employees without making the conversation about you. Personally, I say give them a raise. 
I said, give them the old Wakanda salute. <laughs> Just give them a fucking rave. Stop with all this bullshit. Just give them a rave. Hmm. All right. Oh, my God. Okay, let's read up on Lattice.com. Uh, they develop and engage high-performing teams. They do have breakdowns for <laughs> the diversity in all of their tech teams and stuff. They have 1.9% t- black. <laughs> that is crazy. That That is right after they talk about how much diversity and inclusion they c- seek to foster. That the, Right be- below there, they just admit that they have a 1.9% black workforce. <laughs> Even lower, their management is 1.6%. Incredible. Hey, San Francisco, baby. What are you going to do? Literally fucking incredible. All right. Spotify. Spotify. But, but uh, Spotify? If you want to up those numbers, hire Paul and Adrian. Spotify is also based out of uh, San Francisco, right? Wait, I, I saw in that diversity breakdown, they didn't have a place for Arabs. So if they hired me, I would just be counted under white. Damn, bro. Maybe indigenous? I don't think I count as indigenous. Mm-hmm. Who's going to stop you? Who's going to stop me from marking that down on the mm-hmm. form? We got you, Spotify. Don't worry. Don't even worry, baby doll. All right, so my part of the episode is about getting the bag. And so I brought in this article from The Guardian, our friends across the pond. Ask Hadley. Blowing your bonus on a Chanel bag could be the most sensible purchase you'll make this Christmas. Which designer handbag should I buy? When should I wear a fun top? Email your sartorial dilemmas to askhadley at guardian.co.uk. Here's the question. I am usually very sensible, but recently I have been lusting after some sort of designer handbag. What should I spend my hard-earned Christmas bonus on? Caitlin, London. And for anybody who doesn't know, get the bag is, uh, not even young person. That's like millennial slang for, uh, getting, uh, the paycheck. So you did a, you did a joke one. It's about somebody who literally wants to get that bag. Yeah. Nice. But also, it's an expensive bag. Yeah, it's an expensive bag. So it works on many levels. It works, yeah. There's levels. Really two levels. The metaphysical level, uh, <laughs> <laughs> level three. Level, but is that the Hannibal Buress joke? Yeah, that is the yeah. Hannibal Buress joke. That's messed up on so many levels. Really, name the levels: <laughs> metaphysical, <laughs> ground level. <laughs> uh, okay, so answers to the question, Paul. Yeah, um, it's a Christmas bonus. You do you, girl. You do you. Yeah. As far as what sort of expensive bag she should get. I would recommend, you know, I've heard rapper, uh, you know, uh, rappers and R&B people like uh, Balenciaga's nice, uh, obviously Gucci gang. In fact, I actually Googled this. It's it's not one of those gangs that's violent. It's just people who own the designer well, brand Gucci. Are part nice of Gucci gang. Yeah. Well, we can get some gangs like that. Mm-hmm. Oh. See on both sides by Chanel, if you're a, a Frank Ocean fan. Okay, okay. Um, you should really base this off the, off what sort of music you listen to and what sort of... Uh, brands they reference in their music that's true paul what's the most expensive bag you've ever bought Mm. you know i always am looking at leather travel bags and i'm always like one day i'll get one i want the leather travel bag i've always been like yeah those are way out of my price range (laughs) and i want like what what are they called are they called like not medicine bags messenger bags is is it messenger bags there's one that has a name that's almost like medical it's like apothecary bags yeah apothecary bags they look so nice and i want like a really nice antique one so i definitely get this uh I understand the drive to get a really nice pricey bag. Yeah. I also have that. But like I said, mine's more for like an overnight bag. I guess that's the male version of this sort of mm-hmm. purchase. Traveling in style. Yeah. I think legitimately the most expensive bag I've bought, which is probably not what this person wants, is uh, a chrome bag that was on sale. 
which is like a cycling bag. So gotcha. <laughs> that's the only time where I bought something like specialty that was going to be pretty expensive for a bag. What sort of bag should they get? Yeah, I feel like Gucci's, you know, their moment's over. They had their resurgence. And With the House of Gucci. You think that movie's making them popular again? I think so. That Mickey Mouse bullshit. <laughs> yeah, man, when, uh, it's Matt Crispin, right? He talks about how you can see when Lady Gaga improvs the... Oh, no, I think it's Amber Frost. He says, we can see the moment where Lady Gaga improvises the uh, father, the son, and the house of Gucci and like literally smirks after saying it and they kept that take. <laughs> where she's like so proud of herself. <laughs> that was definitely in the trailer. I don't remember that, though, yeah, from yeah. Uh, Chapo. That's funny. Should she get like a... Um... A nice, like, indigenous woven colorful bag from Guatemala? I don't think that's going to be that pricey, so I feel like she could do that and the designer bag. That's true. Get them both. Get them both. Mm -hmm. When it comes to fakes and knockoffs, how do you feel about that? Because, like, clearly me and you can't tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. Would you be embarrassed to buy one because, you know, when you're on your, when you're at your big meeting, somebody else might be able to tell? Yeah, I mean, I mean, famously, I rapped that song about, uh, you know, got the fake Adidas on, whiting out the fourth stripe. Um, so, you know, if it's something like that, where it's really obvious, I'd probably be a little bit embarrassed, but my dad definitely bought knockoff Puma sandals while we were in Guatemala and I would not have known the difference. Mm -hmm. Are they like the slips or the slides? That's funny. Your dad's going to look so funny in those. (laughs) (laughs) Um, with his, uh, with his bulldogs Confederate flag (laughs) t-shirt. He didn't take that one traveling with him. I don't know why. (laughs) That really does seem like it would sell better in Guatemala than in America. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I, I think I've, I remember like the first time I saw that was when I was in New York or whatever. Um, and I didn't I didn't think too much of it. I was like, yeah, I, mean, I, I guess I don't really like luxury brands anyway. So I don't think I would buy them, to be honest. Yeah, I would just go for like a brand that I could afford. There was like, I mean, I think I'm a little bit less judgy about brands, but as a kid, I always had this idea that if it was branded, it was somehow less nice than something that was nice enough to not be branded. Right, right. That's your whole thing about like, you want like a plain orange shirt, not one that has like a little logo on the corner. Yeah, I always felt very strongly about that. And I I think, I don't know, it wasn't like an anti-consumerist thing, but it just felt like if somebody's actually going to make it by hand, they wouldn't be able to stitch something so tiny on it. Then you know it's a machine. I don't know what my logic was. Growing up, I always let, thought plain clothes looked fancier, but I don't know much about purses. What's the what's the, what? What do you think the current landscape is? Oh wait, this question was asked in 2010, so it doesn't matter what the current landscape is. It was is. asked in 2010. Yes, that's probably what the answer will focus on is what's in right then. So Gucci bag maybe, or was that before Gucci had its little mini resurgence? I think it's going to be a Chanel. Chanel, see on both sides like Chanel. Mm-hmm. It's very clear we know like five brands. YSL, <laughs> Yves Saint Laurent. Uh, Where do you think that's gonna oh, rank? Oh yeah, I only know that because of Mick Jenkins. That's another one that I know because <laughs> of hip hop. Um, Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Or do they just make shoes? No, they make other shit. Okay, what's Nobody the one? Just with, make shoes. What's the one with the red bottoms? Oh. Fuck. I don't know. Cardi B, help me. Cardi. Cardi, help me. She should be third Mike. Then we'd definitely get that Spotify oh. money if we had third Mike, Cardi B. And she likes Bernie just as much as we do, man. She'd be a pretty cool co-host. I think we need that feminine energy. Is there any example? I, the only example I can think of is um, Will, Will Ferrell getting famous and really repping really hard like the local shitty beer from whatever like Midwestern northern state he's from. Is there a thing like that where, like, if you got really famous, there'd be, like, a mid-tier brand that you'd try and bring up with you? Whole crew coming up with me, and yeah. that includes the <laughs> Noda Brewing. Let's go. Ooh, okay, my man, my man. Whole crew coming up with me, and that includes Divine Barrel Brewing. Let's go. Ooh, okay, my man. 
I think that I w- if they hadn't backstabbed me, I would have tried to uh, bring up ODE with me, but not anymore. ODE? It's a local streetwear company from the Carolinas uh, that J. Cole recently kind of hopped on with or whatever. But I like found out about them like two years ago. I really liked their hoodie that said South CAC on it. It was a cool like maroon hoodie. Bought it from them while I was in California. They never shipped it. I sent them two separate emails about getting it shipped. And after the second time of them responding like, oh, yeah, we're going to do it this week. They just never contacted me again. <laughs> and so that's when they made it a lifelong enemy. I was about to be a lifelong fan. And then they uh, fucked me over. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was a cool sweater, too. I still want the hoodie or the sweatshirt, but put them like, on blast out of principle. I can't buy it anymore. Yeah. ODE. You're on watch. You're on watch. You didn't do the charge back on your card. No, yeah, I think it had, the Latin this next time I thought about it was like six months later or something like that. Uh, and they even came out with like a new line that had like a cool soccer jersey and stuff, too. Yeah, they're doing cool stuff, but shady, shady business practices. Shady business. I think she should get one of those bags from uh, when you used to get Chinese as a kid and it'd have like the yellow smiley face and it would say, Ooh, have a good day. Mm-hmm. That's a nice bag. Yeah. And they're sturdy, too. They're sturdy. Well, they, not that sturdy. I mean, they would could, get holes kind of get frequently. like a Peking duck and you could hold that in there. You know what I mean? What are you <laughs> carrying around every day that's bigger than a Peking duck? That's true. I don't think they gave you the whole duck about what you ordered, <laughs> Peking duck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they would do it and they'd leave the head out so it sticks out of the bag and it's a Peking duck. <laughs> yeah. You could get those uh, drunken noodles. Mm. Uh, what's heavier than and a drunken noodle? all the slop noodle? that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> they just poured the sauce straight into the bag. Sauce straight into the bag. They would... <laughs> You would go into such a bad Chinese place that they didn't have the styrofoam. They were just pouring it into those bags. <laughs> but don't worry. They had two or three. They triple layered those bags. Yeah. You know what? You should get one of those reusable Trader Joe's bags for like a dollar. They're very good quality for a dollar. Or get yeah. one of those big Ikea reusable bags. One of the funnier things I've seen online is a person who took, uh, they went shopping at a Chanel store or something and they like had a laminator. They took, like, the paper bag and made, like, a purse by, like, wrapping it in, like, a sturdy plastic out of, like, the bag that they give you the items in in the store. That's pretty dope. Yeah. It actually looked really cool when it was finished. I was like, that person actually used creativity to make something really cool. (laughs) That person really used creativity to make something (laughs) really cool. (laughs) What a review. That's Paul. Put that that quote on a landscape. Put that on white block letters on a picture of a landscape. Use creativity uh, to make something really cool. Legoland, steal that quote. <laughs> Use Paul for your <laughs> Use creativity to make something really cool. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Okay, any other suggestions about what bag this person should get? Nah. Any suggestions about a book bag versus a purse versus a satchel versus a fanny pack versus a... Uh, I think very obviously she means a purse. One string, two string, over the shoulder. Mm. Hip clip. I'm talking about these like these what are you saying? Styles. One string, two string. What purse has one string? What are you talking about? They're definitely one string purses. Oh, I guess you're right when they're like little handbags. Yeah. Or if they just have a zipper and then have the one string or whatever. You're right. You're right. I'm being stupid. Yeah. Um. All right. You want to read the answer? Yeah. Let's see it. All right. Here we go. That's right, readers. As a festive treat, this Swadestant fashion advice column is going to break with tradition and offer actual fashion advice. Almost like, you know, an actual fashion advice column. Honestly, one more mulled wine and I'll be and I'll be bandying around phrases like very on trend and fringing so totes up to the minute. Like verbs were never invented. Sadly, verbs were invented, and normal service will resume in the next question. But for now, 
Pass the brandy. So firstly, Caitlin, before we deal with handbag-related matters, we need to deal with your sensible issues. There is nothing unsensible about buying a designer handbag if one has the money, other than the word unsensible, which is non-existent. The need for self-deprecation and explanation is, my dear correspondent, null. After all, feelings of guilt about buying nice things for oneself are almost medieval, and a modern woman such as you should not waste your time with such nonsense. I kind of hate this person, but I kind of love them at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> this feels like the bitchy friend you want to have. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Nonsensible. I don't know the meaning of the word. Fetch me another cappuccino, darling. <laughs> yeah, well, she literally started with, let me grab a brandy. <laughs> I want a brandy to answer this question. <laughs> yeah, As they're kind of great. I want this friend. <laughs> As for the bag, what you need to decide is whether you would like to feel smug about your bag every day or just on special occasions, and what the concept of getting your money's worth means to you. Working backwards, some people think that the more one uses an item, the more one gets one's money's worth out of it. Personally, I believe it is how much pleasure one derives from said item that reflects its true worth, no matter how infrequently one uses it. If you are of the mindset, of myself, you might consider a posh evening bag that won't get all bashed up from everyday usage and will give you a small flutter of delight every night you take it out, no matter how bad the rest of your night is. Indeed, one might say a bag that cheers you up after a particularly tedious date that would otherwise result in you fermenting on the sofa all alone, eating a tub of ice cream, and calling all your friends to inform them that you will definitely die alone is pretty much the most sensible purchase a lady can make. If you agree, I advise you to buy a classic Chanel quilted handbag. Do not be distracted by the various novelty bags and whatnots of which Chanel is so fond. Instead, prove your aforementioned sensible credentials by buying a boxy, rectangular, quilted shoulder bag with a chain strap in black, ideally. It's ridiculously expensive, yet it will not only last forever, but prevent you from whining to your friends ever again. Cheap at twice the price, frankly. If you'd rather an everyday bag, go Mulberry. Mulberry is one of those rare breeds of fashion labels that works on fashion that works on fashion flibberty gibbets as well as on sensible wimp young women who know that to treat themselves from time to time is proof that they value themselves. Personally, I would recommend getting one in the plain brown leather or oak as they will insist on you calling it. Because the seasonal colors and patterns change, as the name suggests, every season and therefore it might seem dated to you in six months time. My goodness, that was fun. I came all over t- I came all over Anna Winter there. But could Anna Winter come all over me? What? She surely could not. Could you tell me in what way their spelling come? C-O-M-E. Wait, what? How, what is, that, is that a different version of the word come that I don't know? I think it's actually... So this is an interesting thing, TMI. Uh, I remember reading on a condom package in high school that Trojan spelled come that way, not the C-U-M way, like the way that they that most people do. Why? I don't know if it predates the other spelling or if it's just another way of spelling it, but I think they mean the same thing. Okay, interesting. This is... Uh... I got dirtier than I expected. Why is she coming on Anna Wintour? My goodness, that was fun. I came all over Anna Wintour there. Wait, am I wrongly assuming that this is a woman? Is this a man? No, this right? is a woman. Wait, wait, what? Don't come on Anna Wintour. She's old. <laughs> but could Anna Wintour come all over me? Anna Wintour shouldn't be having an orgasm. She's too old. She She's can't too- risk it for her heart. <laughs> her heart. <laughs> She surely could not. I'm not entirely sure what my point is here, but at least Caitlin's bag issue is settled. Next! Hey, this devil wears Prada. Or more specifically, Mulberry or Chanel. Yeah. Racked with cum stains. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Paul, what do you think of that? What do you think Anna Wintour says when she comes? Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) When it rains, it pours. 
Next! This orgasm was two out of five. Mm. Uh, Dorley's response to the text from earlier was, damn, what the fuck? What was the text from earlier? Our parents are COVID positive. <laughs> then she thinks I should get tested again. I have the... Do you want me to pull the rapid and bring it up? Oh, you got a rapid test? From the government. Oh, I see. We uh, I've picked up our mail yet because I thought my parents would do it. Should we do it on pod? You want to do a rapid test on pod? <laughs> rapid test on pod. pod. Let's do it. Third segment. New third segment. Adrian <laughs> takes a rapid test. If you feel, I'll replace one of yours if you let me use one. Sure. Let's go grab it. Okay. Uh, we, it can like just sit there while we're recording the third segment. Okay. So what do you want to do while we wait for the rapid test to uh, come back? Um, we All finished right. up that article. We finished that article. Get your bag, girl. Get your bag. Get your mulberry rigger Chanel. So now we're going into our, uh, we're bringing back the topical tip. We don't always do it, but we talked about Spotify. We d- talked about diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. We talked about getting that bag. Mm-hmm. And now the intersection of those two things is the Spotify Joe Rogan debacle. Mm-hmm. So they bought the Joe Rogan Experience podcast for $100 million. They got exclusives. And because he's been getting a lot of blowback for saying the N-word or... Mm-hmm. For being like, uh, wait, can I just reiterate one point that didn't make it to the pod that you said before, which is they're earmarking for diversity and inclusion the same amount that they gave to one white man. One white man, yes. One white man. And I, I mentioned that sounds about white. That sounds about white. And I think that makes sense because because I think the entire POC world is worth about one Joe Rogan. One Joe Rogan. <laughs> I have one friend that would agree. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. We would never criticize Daddy Spotify. Daddy Spotify is above criticism. Yeah. Much like John Oliver with HBO. Mm-hmm. And AT&T, I think. Is we're, the, the we're playful we're with playful. the people who give us our money. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we know who signs those checks. We stick to the line. And we know Spotify is doing all right. Mm-hmm. But we are going to do a topical tip for this third segment. All right. What you got for me, Paul? Yeah, the whole Joe Rogan debacle. Mm-hmm. Him first having like uh, COVID misinformation stuff that w- and people were leaving Spotify over it. Mm-hmm. And then somebody cut together all those instances of him using the N-word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so w- what's your advice to Spotify? Do you think they need to do more than the $100 million? What's your advice to Joe Rogan? Does he need to get out of the deal? Does- uh, I was talking to Phil about this yesterday, and he was talking about how on Instagram he was seeing all these different podcasts, like Theo Vaughn's podcast and like people like that, being like, hey, if Spotify removes Joe Rogan, we're not putting our podcast on Spotify anymore. And, or Phil and I were like, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would, that's the exact kind of domino effect that I want to see happen. <laughs> so it's not even about Joe Rogan for me. It's about all the people who feel this need to be in solidarity with him. I would love to see them go. Yeah, if Tim Dillon could shut the fuck up, yeah. that would actually be a big win for the world in general. I think Joe Rogan, he's doing an anime protagonist thing right now. Spoilers for Attack on Titan if you haven't read to the end. And spoilers for Code Geass. But that's kind of the way that those play out is like he becomes a supervillain to everybody. And that way, when he gets defeated, the world gets to be reunited. It's kind of what Joe Rogan's doing right now. He's really being the most he's sacrificing himself if he gets canceled off of Spotify by taking down all these other stupid ass podcasts that are taking up room. Yeah, Theo Vaughn sucks a lot. Tim Dillon's another one that I just really don't like his I'm general. sure Andrew Schultz would probably be another person that was like that. Oh my god, that'd be beautiful. Oh yeah. my god. If and if Andrew Schultz quit his podcast and Oof. so Charlemagne was no longer, oh Oof. my god. That would be beautiful. So my feelings of Joe Rogan aside, I think it'd be a very selfless and wonderful thing. You're right. The the B tier, the uh-huh. B tier of the Joe Rogan circle. And I, I don't mean everybody. I do like I do like Tom Segura and um mm-hmm. I like Andrew and Santino. Kreischer yeah. and Andrew Santino. I hope they wouldn't leave Spotify just... Yeah. Well, actually, I don't listen to podcasts. Wait, never mind. We can't. Do not say that. <laughs> no, no, no. 
I love listening to podcasts on Spotify. It's clearly the best platform for it. Yeah, yeah. Please leave your mom's house and two bears, one cave on Spotify. That's mm-hmm. the only place I would listen to them. I wish last podcast on the left went back to being only on Spotify because that was the best place to listen to it. I guess those people leaving would make me sad, but the more political arm of the Joe Rogan sphere BTR mm-hmm. podcasts all suck. Like, yeah. those podcasts can go. Uh, those are like the BTR of his political arm. Mm-hmm. But you have, uh, I think, your opinion before you've expressed, because we, I think we deleted the only time we really talked about We didn't delete it. We didn't end up putting it out because the audio was bad on my end. But your opinion was basically that you don't care about Joe Rogan. Or what, what, was your, what, was your, what was your thesis, really? Yeah, I don't care. Like, if Spotify bows to the pressure and kicks Joe Rogan off the platform, I wouldn't care. And if they don't, I wouldn't care. Like, it's just like, what's, mm. what's, the, what's the tangible outcome of either of those things happening? How does it change anything for anybody? He's still going to be on other platforms, and is it that people are worried that he got the $100 million deal and they don't want their money going to that? I guess that's fine. Like, if you're yeah. if you're concerned about that, try to lobby for them to make the change you want. I don't personally care enough. I don't think it's affecting—I don't think Joe Rogan's followers really listen to him in that sort of way. I know he has a lot of followers, and I— I just, I don't think it's as big a deal. I don't know. It's so mm. hard to articulate. I just don't care. I find it so hard to care. I, I think uh, anything that I want to say, I think um, there was like a good, and it's like, I hate recommending videos like this, but it was only 20 minutes, so it's not that long. Watch uh, Rebecca Watson's video about it where she, John Stewart's in the title because it's a response to John Stewart's take on the thing, but I think it sums up a lot of what I feel about it, so. Well, what can you summarize the take for me? I'm a little bit more critical of Joe Rogan. So I think uh, the, she was responding to John Stewart's take of... Uh, what upset know, you more, the N-word stuff or the COVID denial stuff? Yeah, that stuff. So like... Uh, the Joe, COVID Yeah, stuff? John Stewart talking about how, uh, you know, my whole position is that you have to engage with these people. And like, you can see in the Joe Rogan episode... Oh, no. The guy, Please do not lump <laughs> me in with that camp. I do not want to engage with Joe Rogan and teach him. That is the stupidest take that we're somehow going to teach Joe Rogan. Yeah, it's just it was one of those things that's sad because, you know, growing up in the way that we did, of course, we look up to Jon Stewart in some sense of like being like a guy who had reasonable takes on a television screen where you didn't get a lot of that. But man, just the stupidity of him being like, yeah, I mean, he got challenged by a guy and he accepted it. And so he took in new information and he changed his worldview, which is zero percent what happened on that <laughs> interview when the guy challenged him about myocarditis and young teens or whatever. Um, so it's just her pointing that out in the way that he like talks to people and like uh, the way that uh, he doesn't actually change his opinion uh, based on like the information that he's getting. He clearly has an agenda and like has a way of promoting certain ideas over others. And uh, part of it, I think Rebecca Watson being who she was, was making sure to give an example of how he treats uh, women that he disagrees with. So mm-hmm. there's a really funny example of him uh, shouting horribly at a PhD uh, primatologist about an ape fact that he was really excited about that was not true um that's funny yeah so yeah i think uh that kind of whole thing like and especially the so i think the two points that are salient are the idea that who was it it wasn't willie nelson it was uh who was the first uh, musician to take their music off oh uh yeah somebody sort of like that yeah uh, whoever that guy was like him staying on the podcast is not him engaging with joe rogan like it's, it's that stupid like you have to get to the philosophical points of like it's equally his free speech to like go off of spotify as a way of protesting joe rogan being on there. yeah and that's what i agree with i'm yeah. i feel like this can solve itself without yeah. it feels like it's dominated the conversation more like than people are engaging with the idea of covid safety yeah yeah <laughs> somehow in the last couple during the omicron variant more people were engaged with the joe rogan conversation than they were with the mm-hmm. wait how should how seriously should we be taking this? How should we organize mm-hmm. society to avoid this stuff? Yeah. 
Oh, anyway, and I think the other salient point is just the difference between um, Joe Rogan's right to have a platform of some sort and then having the right to be paid $100 million to be exclusively yeah. held on a platform is obviously different. I don't know why people act like it's his freedom of speech to get a $100 deal with Spotify and keep that deal no matter what. Yeah, I mean, well, I think I have no idea what's in the contract, but I assume if they're the ones who cancel it on their end, they probably just have to continue to pay him. And yeah, I mean, I don't know how that would play out but i don't think they can just cancel it without any negative repercussions to themselves and their bottom line but if they did and they made a little bit of space for some other people but yeah if they did cancel joe rogan and then they had 200 millions for pocs Mm -hmm. yeah so in terms of conversations taking up space is a big uh kind of buzzword and you know maybe we don't need to take joe rogan off but we can can let him take up a little bit less space yeah and adrian's a big boy he takes up a lot of space a lot of space baby (laughs) get him I mean, Joe Rogan's, he's a thick boy. He's wide. Mm. I think me and Adrian at least are one Joe Rogan with space. Oh, yeah. Market us. Market us so we take up more space, Spotify. That's what we need. Yeah. Break bread, baby. Break bread with the enemy. piece of that bread. Do we have advice for Spotify? Wait, no. Do you have advice for Joe Rogan? For Joe Rogan. Keep doing you, man. You're obviously working for you. Mm-hmm. Big facts, no cap. All right. Big fact. We deserve, we deserve some of that Spotify cash. Hit us up, Spotify. Uh, we'll make you more diverse and more inclusive. Uh, no cap. If any other company has some money earmarked for diverse people, we'll also take that. Yeah, we're not very loyal. Although, Daddy Spotify, don't blame us. We are very loyal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know, uh, anyone else listening out there, feel free to hit us up. And if you're a white dude at Spotify and you want to feel better about being a white dude and you want to talk down to us about like being an ally, I won't say anything to your face. Not to your face. Yeah, I'll let you feel good about yourself. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. How you looking up to me and talking down? Can't you see I am the big man? God level, I am the I am. Now film it with the drone cam and the pink like killer cam. Zoom on that stick, no way. I'm so close, I'm on that kill. Controller on your lower back, yeah, that's the good. Dicker roll the eyes back in the skull. Rolling when you ride, popping. Rolling when you ride, ride to ride. I won. Street acting, turned up like some dirty plastic. Ride. 2016 burn some discs. 2017 ideas playing off the Walgreens. This a cult, not a click on the net. With a cup in a cup, activist. That's a double edge, it's a knife. And I don't like to fight till I'm fighting. Revenge in the air makes my lungs sick. Chopping in the sky like a gun trick. Clips on clips like Mike. It's really all. I see both sides like Chanel. See on both sides like Chanel.